Good morning, good morning, and welcome to Overeaters Anonymous, a Vision for You Big Book Study. My name is Monica, and I am a recovered compulsive overeater. And today is Friday, the 31st of May 2013. And today we are reading from the big book. We are in the chapter, There is a Solution, and we are on page 22. And we will be starting with the first full paragraph that begins, This is by no means. And today's readers are the 12 steps, Sally, 12 traditions, Lisa, and then Sharon, Julie, and Kim. And the share code for yesterday, the 30th of May, is 4552. 4552. OA Preamble. Overeaters Anonymous is a fellowship of individuals who, through shared experience, strength, and hope, are recovering from compulsive overeating. We welcome everyone who wants to stop eating compulsively. There are no dues or fees for members. We are self-supporting through our own contributions neither soliciting nor accepting outside donations. OA is not affiliated with any public or private organization, political movement, ideology, or religious doctrine. We take no position on outside issues. This meeting's primary purpose is to abstain, to recover from compulsive overeating, and to carry this message of recovery to those who still suffer. Our sole purpose. OA's fifth tradition states, each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. At A Vision for You Big Book Study, our message is that people who suffer from compulsive overeating can recover through abstinence and the practice of the 12 steps and 12 traditions of Overeaters Anonymous. And I will now ask Sally to read the 12 steps, please. Star one to unmute, Sally. Oh, I'm so sorry, Monica. Good morning, Monica. Good morning, a vision for you. The 12 steps. Number one, we admitted we were powerless over food, that our lives had become unmanageable. Number two, came to believe that a power greater than ourselves could restore us to sanity. Number three, made a decision to turn our will and our lives over to the care of God as we understood him. Number four, made a searching and fearless moral inventory of ourselves. Number five, admitted to God, to ourselves, and to another human being the exact nature of our wrongs. Number six, we're entirely ready to have God remove all these defects of character. Number seven, humbly asked him to remove our shortcomings. Number eight, made a list of all persons we had harmed and became willing to make amends to them all. Number nine, made direct amends to such people wherever possible, except when to do so would injure, would injure them or others. Number 10, continued to take personal inventory and when we were wrong, promptly admitted it. 11, sought through prayer and meditation to improve our conscious contact with God as we understood him. 
praying only for knowledge of his will for us and the power to carry that out. And number 12, having had a spiritual awakening as the result of these steps, we try to carry this message to compulsive overeaters and to practice these principles in all our affairs. Thank you, Sally. I will now ask Lisa to read the 12 traditions. Good morning, everyone. This is Lisa from South Jersey, Recovered Compulsive Overeater. The 12 traditions. One, our common welfare should come first. Personal recovery depends upon OA unity. Two, for our group purpose, there is but one ultimate authority, a loving God as he may express himself in our group conscience. Our leaders are but trusted servants. They do not govern. Three, the only requirement for OA membership is a desire to stop compulsively overeating. Four, each group should be autonomous except in matters affecting other groups or OA as a whole. Five, each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the alcoholic who still suffers. Six, an OA group ought never endorse, finance, or lend the OA name to any related facility or outside enterprise, lest problems of money, property, and prestige divert us from our primary purpose. Seven, every OA group ought to be fully self-supporting, declining outside contributions. Eight, Overeaters Anonymous should remain forever non-professional but our service centers may employ special workers. Nine, OA as such ought never be organized, but we may create service boards or committees directly responsible to those that they serve. 10, Overeaters Anonymous has no opinion on outside issues, hence the OA name ought never be drawn into public controversy. 11, our public relations policy is based on attraction rather than promotion. We need always maintain personal anonymity at the level of press, radio, and films. And 12, anonymity is the spiritual foundation of all our traditions, ever reminding us to place principles before personalities. Thank you, and I pass. Thank you, Lisa. How our meeting works. Our meeting focuses on the directions for recovery described in the Big Book of Alcoholics Anonymous. We read a paragraph or two from the literature and then stop and share on what was read. Anyone can share, but we ask that you keep your sharing to the topic and literature we are discussing and that you keep your share to approximately three minutes. Singleness of purpose reminds us to identify as compulsive overeaters only. Our abstinence requirement for moderators is one year and for readers is six months. There is no abstinence requirement for sharing on topic. This meeting does request that your sharing be directly linked to what was read. We are sharing what the directions in the big book mean to us. To share, press star 1 to unmute. Once you are done sharing, let us know by saying pass, then press star 1 to mute your phone. In order to have a quiet meeting, 
everyone's phone except the speakers should be muted. And today we are resuming our study of the big book. We're in the chapter, There is a Solution, on page 22, the first full paragraph that begins, This is by no means. And I will ask Sharon to begin reading, please. Good morning. This is Sharon from Minnesota, and I am a recovered compulsive overeater. Thank you, Monica, and thank you to all who are on the phone. This is by no means a comprehensive picture of the true alcoholic, as our behavior patterns vary, but this description should identify him roughly. Why does he behave like this? If hundreds of experiences have shown him that one drink means another debacle with all its attendant suffering and humiliation. Why is it he takes that one drink? Why can't he say, stay on the water wagon? What has become of the common sense and willpower that he still sometimes displays with respect to other matters? So we have two paragraphs here, and they're a little bit different. The first paragraph uh, is is speaking in general. So it's talking about we have that all of the discussion that we had before, where we talked about the different types of of alcoholics and and the different forms it takes and the horrible, horrible behavior that we exhibit it. And then it says, this isn't a comprehensive picture. Let's pause for a minute here and look at this. Because what we're trying to do is to help people identify in so that when the solution is given, you can accept it because you know it applies to you. And so the first thing we have to, to accept is that, uh, or to understand, is whether we are an alcoholic or not. Are, are we a compulsive overeater or not? And so here's some descriptions. If you fit in with the, with the alcoholic or the compulsive overeater, you know that you're one of us and that then you, the solution will apply to you and, and you need to keep going further with the program. So... This description, so when you read this and you look at this and you're asking yourself, am I one of them? Am I one of them? I, I know that so many of us have gone through this same scenario where we look around in the rooms and we, and we, try, to under, we try to say, first of all, we want to say we're not one of them right? Because who wants to be a compulsive overeater? I mean, we would, who wants to follow this path? I mean, if you could do something differently, I'm sure all of us would love to do something differently. Who wants to come? I mean, even though it's a wonderful thing to be on the phone every morning, but if this can get grueling getting up so early day after day and and uh, following a plan and 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 sticking to it day after day when you're looking at other people 
uh, eating and having having fun, looking all jovial. And uh, here we have to, to do this weighing and measuring, although uh, we're not a glum lot. If we could do something better and easier, surely we would do that. So the first thing, are we one of, of them? And, and in all honesty, for years I sat in the room and went in and out about it. Uh, and that, for me, is talked about in the next paragraph. I went in and out. And if you go in and out about whether you're one or whether you're not, guess what? You're going to come on and off the wagon. Because if you're not really one, maybe I don't have to do all the rigors of this program. Maybe I don't have to, uh, if I'm weighing and measuring, if I'm, one, if I'm a person who weighs and measures, I don't have to weigh and measure everything. Maybe I don't have to come to all these meetings. Maybe I don't have to call my sponsor all the time and my fellows and do all this service. And so, but it's a tricky question. It's a tricky question, and it, that, it talks of that in the next paragraph. Because in the next paragraph, it, it asks the question, why do we behave like this? And then it goes on toward the end, what has become of the common sense and willpower that he still displays with respect to other matters? So when it comes to determining whether I'm a compulsive overeater or not, whether I need this program or not, the reality is is that my willpower and common sense often don't apply to the this very question because I am a compulsive overeater. I have an addiction, and the addiction is cunning, baffling, and powerful. It it's almost like it has a mind of its own. So in other things, I can be practical, I can be reasonable, I can understand things, I can identify things, I can make decisions and stick to them. When it comes to the food, it's cunning, baffling, and powerful. It will tell me I don't have a disease. And, and, and that's what this next paragraph is asking the question, why? Why do we behave? Why do we say I don't have a disease when I really do? Why do I keep taking that next bite? And we'll keep talking about that, but each person has to identify with this on their own. But I think it's so important for us to accept that we have a disease that will tell us that we don't have a disease. And so we have to get to that point where we know that we know that we know that we are one and we don't allow ourselves to start playing tricks, our minds to start playing tricks on us. And with that, I pass. Thank you, Sharon. Would anyone like to share on this paragraph, on these two paragraphs? This is Paula. Can I share? Paula and then Kim. Thank you. Thank you, Monica, and thank you for your service. This would be Paula, Recovered Compulsible Reader. It starts with, and that's where I'm going to be, this is by no means a comprehensive picture of the true alcoholic. You know, what they just described, sentence after sentence in the paragraph before, she said, I would have said it was comprehensive. 
But, you know, if you've got 100 people, every one of them is going to come in at a different place at a different time and for a different way. So they're doing the best they can. They're giving you a little inkling of the different things that transpire in the life of a true alcoholic. And it tells you why. Ah, an answer here. Because our behavior patterns vary. They do because we do. Our very lives are different from each other. But this is what brings us together, as it clearly states in the big book. But this description should identify him roughly, and roughly indeed. There's no gentleness in this program. We don't see it because it isn't a gentle program. It is rough. This is rough. This is a real, when you see this disease in action, what it does. And then it gives you all these whys. Hey, you don't have to give me the whys. I said the same whys. Didn't you wake up every morning? Every morning, why do I do this? Come on, we live these whys. Why can't this time? Because I really believed it when I said, this time it's going to be different. And then I would say, well, tomorrow's a new day. Tomorrow never came. It wasn't a new day because I treated it the same in the same old way. I didn't know any better. And then it gives you another. What has become, just to make sure, I don't know. Again, I didn't know the answers But here I am yet in a chapter. There is a solution. So I followed and I watched. I saw the miracles until I wanted to be one. Thank you for allowing me to share. With that, I do pass. Thank you, Paula. Kim, go ahead, please. Morning, Monica. Good morning, my fellows. My name is Kim G, and I am a recovered compulsive overeater from South Jersey. Why can't he stay on the wagon? Why can't he stay on the wagon? So where is our insanity? Where is our true insanity? You know, step two says, came to believe in a power that could restore us to sanity. I don't think that's too subtly telling us that we're insane. So where is the insanity? Is the insanity at the third donut when we can't stop eating? Or is it the insanity in the decision to have that first donut? So why can't we stay on the wagon? That means that we've had the food down. The allergy is no longer being triggered. So why are we going back? That is the crux of our problem. So let's say that I I get a really bad reaction to poison ivy. But I love to hike. So what do I do? I make sure that I know exactly where I'm hiking, what a poison ivy plant looks like. I know where those plants tend tend to grow. I wear special protective clothing, making sure that my bottom, especially my bottom legs, are not are covered so that the poison ivy won't hit my legs. And I go out and I can enjoy the sunshine and I can enjoy this fresh air and I enjoy my hiking, even though I have this extreme allergy to poison ivy. So is that insane? No. I simply am aware of my allergy. But what about the person who goes out hiking who has that extreme allergy and takes all those protective gears, but suddenly all they can see is the poison ivy. The beautiful sunshine, the beautiful flowers mean nothing. All I'm doing is I'm obsessed on that poison ivy. And eventually that obsession takes over, and I throw all my clothes off, and I run to the poison ivy, and I run to the poison ivy, and then get upset because I break out in an extreme rash. 
So where is the insanity? The insanity is the fact that I took off my clothes and rolled in the poison ivy. So we can have this allergy. We can protect ourselves in the sense of people, places, and things. People, places, and things. I will control this environment. I will control that environment. But if we are a compulsive overeater, if we have that obsession of the mind, the physical solution will not work. The physical solution is what allows us to address the larger aspect of our disease. The crux of our problem is in the mind. And I think so often... I know I misunderstood, and I often hear people, they get confused between the freedom of the allergy not being triggered and the freedom from the obsession of the mind. The freedom from the obsession of, being, of the allergy is that pink cloud when suddenly you can wake up easier and you're not feeling so foggy and your stomach isn't in distress and you're starting to lose a little weight and you're like, oh, thank you, God, you removed the obsession. That's not the obsession. That's the allergy not being triggered. But if you are a real compulsive overeater, if you are the true alcoholic, you have an obsession of the mind that will take over and make you roll around in poison ivy, roll around in your binge food. So we say here, why can't he stay on the wagon? That is what we need to address through the steps. That is why step two, we need to be restored to sanity. And with that, I pass. Thank you, Kim. Would anyone else like to share? Star one to unmute. Hi, can I share? Yes, and you are who? Hi, my name is Reva. And um, I'm go ahead. And I'm a new and um I, I, I really have more, I really have just more of a question um, as being a newcomer that um, I think people return to the obsession because at least for myself I can say um, I'm not sure how to handle the pain without the food. Uh, I think I mean for myself wanting to be free of the obsession, but. Um, I don't know. That was just what struck me when I'm hearing this sharing that this question of I, I'm, I'm, I'm looking forward to hearing more, obviously, about the program and about um, the steps and and the tools. Um, well, thank you, thank you, Reva, and keep listening. You'll hear some mighty fine um, answers and help here. Thank you, and that I'll pass. Would anyone else like to share on what was read? This is Katie, Lady Leah. <laughs> I heard Katie, Leia, and I think there was someone else. Janice. It was Janice. It was Katie, Janice, Leia. Okay, dokie. Katie, and then Janice, and then Leia. Go ahead, Katie. Good morning. I'm a recovered compulsive overeater. My name is Katie. Um, this is by means and by no means a comprehensive picture and. You know, why does he behave like this? And I uh, I went to my first OA meeting when I was 14 years old, and I had about 10 pounds to lose, but that mental obsession was already there. But when I heard what, what, what these people, these old ladies, you know, in their 40s were saying, I thought it was the dumbest thing I'd ever heard. And so I went back out to prove that I was not, I was not like that. So then I came back when I was 21, 
and I was a little bit more desperate. Um, at this time, I, you know, had 40 pounds to lose, and I uh, started identifying in. But I still, I was not like that person I heard who, you know, just binged every night and, you know, spent hundreds of dollars on binge foods. And, you know, I, I just thought, no, I'm not like that. So I, I continued to identify out instead of identifying in. And guess what? I soon became that person. I became that person in the room who was stealing hundreds of dollars worth of food because I worked in a restaurant and I worked 70 hours a week in and around food. And, um, you know, I became that person. So, you know, it's a progressive disease. And the question of why does he behave like this is because I didn't think that I was that bad. I didn't believe that I would get worse. I didn't believe that it could get worse, and I didn't think before I picked up that first bite. And, you know, I didn't think that I could live through the pain, as the last person just asked about. I didn't believe. I didn't believe that God would restore me to sanity, and I didn't believe that my problems were big enough for God to be concerned about. I had not surrendered. And when it got to the point where I was really wishing that I had the courage to drive off the road into the embankments on the... uh, you know, the uh, road construction on 95 in Washington, D.C., that's when, you know, I was desperate enough to listen and to say, I am that person. I have become the person that I thought I would never be. And regardless of my circumstances, regardless of the fact that I'm doing what I want to do, I'm living on my own, I've got this, I've got that, you know, everything should be fine. I am getting worse, and I can't uh, make someone realize, I can't, I can't make someone hit bottom any more than I can make myself. It took a power greater than myself, and, you know, I'm just uh, living proof that once I put the food down and stopped ingesting my binge food, stopped uh, doing the behaviors that I did that, you know, trigger the phenomenon of craving, and I did what my sponsor told me to do, guess what? I got better. And I was able to work those steps and live through any kind of pain you can think of. Other than my own death, I have been through a lot of stuff. I'm going through a very difficult time right now. But, you know, in my, in my life, but I don't have to question whether God is going to be there with me because he's proved himself over and over again through all the other things I've gone through in the last two and a half decades that I've been working this program. So um, you can either identify in and say, yes, this is what I am, I need your help, or you can say that we're a bunch of crazy women on this line and men and, you know, I'm fine. Thank you very much. With that, I'll pass. Thank you, Katie. Janice, please go ahead. Can you hear me? 
Here I am. Here I am. Thank you, Monica. Okay. Thank so you. you can you can you can hear me? I can hear you now. Okay. Okay. I I had to change. All right. Thank you. Thank you, Monica. Thank you. Good morning, Vision for You. My name is Janice. I am a recovered compulsive overeater. Thank you, God. Thank you, God. Well, you know, these two these two paragraphs that, that the paragraph we read were reading yesterday and this one here today, you know, the sentence, there comes then comes the day when he simply cannot make it and gets drunk all over again. He simply cannot make it. You know, that is the hallmark of a compulsive overeater of my type, of my type. You know, I think I was born three beers short of comfortable, three donuts short of comfortable. I think that I have been a compulsive overeater since I was a a child. You know, I needed to get comfortable. The world was not going according to my plan. I sometimes would be full of fear, full of uncomfort. The world was not a good place except when I could numb it out with the food, when I could pick up the food and it would work for me. It would be a barrier between me and other people, between me and events, between me and situations. When I was just so uncomfortable, I couldn't stand it anymore, I would pick up. But something happened to me. Something happened to me. It became more than just a bad habit. I began to see that I wanted to stop this behavior. I could see that I was gaining weight. I could see that it was injurious to me, as it says in the doctor's opinion. But I couldn't stop thinking about it. And when I picked up that first bite, I'm just going to have one, I would say to myself, just one. Just one banana nut muffin. I'm going to just have one. But once I picked up that first bite, that phenomenon of craving developed in me. That allergy of the body kicked in. And then it left me never satisfied, always wanting more, 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 more. And I'd have one more big blowout binge, wake up the next morning with a food hangover, feeling sluggish and icky and not being able to get out of bed and just wanting to stop. But I couldn't stop because the obsession of the mind had a hold of me. It had ceased to be a luxury. It had become a necessity and I couldn't stop. So what's going to happen to a compulsive overeater of my type? If I have no power against this disease, what's going to happen to me? The disease will progress and progress, and it's fatal, and eventually it'll kill me. It'll kill me. So I need a power greater than me that's going to come between me and this compulsive overeating. And that power, that one is God. May you find him now. May you find him now. And the 12 steps are going to be the way for me to find that God. Find that spiritual awakening, that spiritual experience, and the process of the 12 steps were going to bring me to that experience of God and are going to transform my personality and my thinking so that the world becomes a place I want to be in and people become people I want to connect with. You know, that's what's going to happen. That's what's going to take the place of that pain. 
that's what's going to take the place of that place where I was totally self-sufficient, where I couldn't find my way out. You know, so if you're one of those people hanging on this line, saying, I've tried to put the food down and I can't bear it. The solution is here. The solution is here. Hang on to your hat because the solution is here. And with that, I'll pass. Thank you, Janice. Leah, go ahead, please. Thank you so much. Good morning, everybody. My name is Leah. I'm a recovered compulsive overeater. Happy to be here. Why does he behave like this? Uh, you know, all action is born in thought. So already uh, the big book is alluding to the way I think. Uh, this goes beyond the allergy. Of hundreds of experiences have shown him that one drink means another debacle, another disaster, another failure with all its attendant suffering and humiliation. Why is it he takes that one drink? Why can't he stay on the water wagon? What has become of the common sense and willpower that he still sometimes displays with respect to other matters? Uh, What they're teaching and and honing in on here is the greater aspect of the disease. Okay, it's been determined that I have an allergy. It was well uh, known to me that there were certain food substances that I, I couldn't control once I began eating them, and that was a bad problem. But the greater problem is even when I put those foods down, even when I said, no more, I'm never going to eat that, I'm never going to eat this, I'm never going to eat that, because once I start eating, I go through the entire package, the entire container, the entire bag, I'm not going to eat that substance. Why is it that this, that, Come a time, whether, you know, a a week later, a day later, hours later, I would pick up that first bite knowing, knowing all the suffering and pain. You know, this mental obsession kept giving me permission to pick up the first bite. And that is the insanity that the big book is talking about. That's the insanity that the big book's talking about. The insanity that the big book is talking about is not the insanity once we're 10 bites in or for the alcoholic 10 drinks in and he's drunk and urinating on himself and slurring his words and acting like a fool. The insanity that the big book is talking about is why, why is it that even with all the pain, even with all the suffering, I still make a decision. All action is born in thought. This behavior comes from my mind. My hand just doesn't, uh, you know, do these things automatically. The, the tin of brownies is not catapulting off the counter and down my gullet unless I'm instructing my hand to go reach for that. So that is the insanity that we're talking about here. The insanity is that I can't remember the tears from last night. The insanity is that I can't remember the humiliation and the shame that I felt a few hours ago. The the insanity is that I can't remember the tears that I shed. I can't remember the discussions that I had with my husband regarding divorce because of this addiction. I can't remember the sense of, you know, pain and and, uh, despair that I felt. I can't remember the... uh, you know, thoughts of suicide, all I think about at that moment is the sense of ease and comfort which comes at once after I take that first bite. That is the insanity that the big book is talking about. And this is the component 
that makes up a compulsive overeater. Allergy of the body, obsession of the mind. My real problem isn't the food. A lot of people have allergies. I always talk about my daughters who are allergic to fish. But I don't come down in the middle of the night and find them, you know, uh, hunting through the cabinets to eat some uh, flounder. <laughs> I mean, they know they can't eat it, and they just don't eat it. You know, the, the mental obsession keeps giving us permission to pick up that first bite. So our real problem isn't the food. A lot of people have allergies. No brainer. Our real problem is in our mind. It's our behavior. Why does he behave like this? Real problem is in the mind that convinces us to eat this, the foods and indulge in those eating behaviors, and that is our real problem. And if we do not believe that we have this mental obsession, there is no reason to pursue the steps. And I had to get to the point personally where I understood the true nature of powerlessness. Powerlessness is not when I've already binged my brains out and I'm in a stupor on the couch with uh, saliva dripping down the side of my face. The real issue of powerlessness is after, after I've had all those bad things happen to me and after all the damage of this illness, medically, emotionally, mentally, financially, socially, in my relationships, after after all that pain, after all that suffering, after, after the allergy has been explained to me in excruciating detail, I still go out and take the first bite. That is the true nature of, the, of powerlessness. That is the real problem. And there is no way on my own that I could avoid taking that first bite because I was without mental defense against that first bite, that defense had to come from a power greater than myself. And with that, I pass. Thank you. Thank you, Leah. Would anyone else like to share on this paragraph, on these two paragraphs? Okay, let's move on to the next paragraph. And Julie, could you read, please? Hi, this is Julie, a recovered compulsive overeater in California. Perhaps there never will be a full answer to these questions. Opinions vary considerably as to why the alcoholic reacts differently from normal people. We are not sure why. Once a certain point is reached, little could be done for him. We cannot answer the riddle. Again, I'm Julie. Um, you know, perhaps we'll never be able to fully answer these questions and again what questions you know why do we behave like this why do we continue to do the same thing over and over again and you know I, I go back to when Dr. Silkworth talked about working with scores of alcoholics and it failed and he tried everything that he could and then when Dr. Young was talking I believe it was Roland to find, you know tell him basically there's nothing to be done for you you have the mind of a chronic alcoholic and, you know, he felt the gates of hell closing on him. But also Dr. Young said, yeah, they're, they're, once in a while something happens to people and they change. They have this, their whole person, their mind, their body, everything that changes because they have this um, spiritual experience. And, you know, for me, I tried so many things. I mean, I did hypnosis, transcendental meditation, 
I did shots. I did every diet you could think of because I figured, you know, if I just found the right thing that I could be cured, fixed, you know. And it never worked because I am not normal. And I, I have this highlighted that the alcoholic reacts differently from normal people. I am a compulsive overeater. I do not think, act, feel like a normal person when it comes to food. Um, You know, my whole life was wrapped around how much I could get, when I could get it, how can I hide it. Um, I'd rather, you know, I want to put my kids to bed so I could go binge. I want to get in a fight with my husband so I could go binge. Um, You know, that's not normal. But, But the good thing is, is that once coming to this program this time after being in OA since 81, I got to really see what what the issue is. Um, you know, I have a defective mind. It's flawed, and I suffer from obsession. And when I'm in that obsession, I don't know what I don't know. You know, I can't even tell I'm in the obsession because that's all I could think about. It's all I could be propelled to take, to pick up to act the same way until I, you know, I got to understand and I had the spiritual slow awakening for me. And I can only not act on that by having my God in my life. And this is just so powerful for me because, um, you know, I don't even, it doesn't even matter that I am a compulsive overeater. It matters that I have found out how to live my life on um, a spiritual plane, and I don't have to pick up. I mean, the obsession is gone only because I continue to do the daily work. So this is an exciting um, small paragraph because um, it reminds me, I react differently from normal people because I am not normal when it comes to to my life. And it's not just the food. It's just that vehicle that I used. Um, I can react insanely in other areas of my life but once I had my um, understanding, I guess, I, I can look at all things differently. So with that, I'll pass. Thank you, Julie. Would anyone like to share on this paragraph? This is Sally. Sally, go ahead. Hi. Um, good morning again, A Vision for You. Um, these paragraphs just remind me of how many years it took me to stop stop caring whether anyone else agreed or understood or validated the fact that I had this problem, that I had this compulsivity to overeat, and that it was not something that I could control of myself. Um, When I look at these questions over and over, why does he behave like this, and then moving into this paragraph, perhaps there will never never be, I'm sorry, perhaps there never will be a full answer to these questions. And, you know, it's a wonderful thing to reach a peace within yourself and to No, that doesn't matter if anyone else gets this. It doesn't matter if your children get it, your grown kids, your little kids, whether your husband gets it, whether your parents, your in-laws get it. It matters that you get it, that you know who you are. It wasn't until I had step one that I admitted that I was powerless over this substance. And, you know, I have very reasonable people around me. Um, And, you know, in the last year since I have become abstinent um, in this last year, and I've had years of abstinence, but not this type of abstinence, because this is very different. There's a peace 
that comes with a recovered abstinence that I never had, even with five years of putting the sugar down, the flour down. But, you know, in this last year, as I have identified subtle triggers, I, I remember one conversation with my, my grown daughter. She's a brilliant woman. And um, I had said to her, I can't have corn chips anymore, Sam. That's just the way it's going to have to be for me. And I didn't really want to make a big deal about it, but, you know, it was a big deal to her because she, being a very reasonable woman, said, there's no sugar, there's no flour in this, Mom. She had this very clear-cut picture of what my disease is about for her. And um, so we argued a little bit about that. I didn't really argue. I just let her go ahead and, and express her frustration that, why can't you just be temperate? Why can't you measure some out and put it in a little baggie? This was a very, I thought this was a reasonable comment that she was making to me, but I know who I am. And that's what these paragraphs say to me. These why questions, I listen to radio people on my way home from work sometimes, and I hear how these um, radio people, um, really wonderful talk shows, how they don't get it. They don't even believe that alcoholics have a problem, that this is, this is um, a compulsion of the mind, an allergy of the body. They think it's just weak will. They just don't know. They don't get it. And I don't care whether they get it. It matters that I get it, that I know, that I admit that I'm powerless over these substances, my triggers, that I know what it is that's going to trip me and throw me back into the refrigerator head first. And that's all I have to say. Thanks for listening. Thank you, Sally. Would anyone else like to share on this paragraph? This is Paula. May I share? Yes, you may, Paula. Go ahead. Thank you. Thank you all. Every voice I've heard here. It says, perhaps there never will be a full answer to these questions. And yes, you know what? I don't need a full answer. But this chapter that we're reading, it gave me the solution for where I am and who I am. And yes, I am a compulsive overeater. And yes, even more so, a resounding yes, recovered. I didn't need to know. I just needed to do and follow the directions. And it ends with, and I started at the beginning, and I'm going to zip right on down and scoot right there. We cannot answer the riddle. What's a riddle? It's a puzzling question. What happened? When? Where? How? Nope. Here I am today, on this line, yes, but living a life, living a life fully and total. Thank you for allowing me to share. And with that, I do pass. Thank you, Paula. Would anyone else like to share on this? Well, this is Monica, and I'm going to jump in here. This and is basically, Leah. excuse me. This is this is Leah. Leah, go ahead, Leah. Um, this is Leah, a recovering compulsive overeater. I'm. I wanted to uh, share about a. Um, I turned on the computer, and they had this whole article about an obese woman who was going through an amazing surgery, quote-unquote. All the doctors, everybody was very skeptical, but they were going to open her brain, and they're going to tell everyone that they're going to be able to get her brain to 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 think differently so that it does not pull any triggers in her and it 
it takes away completely the desire to eat and to overeat. So every time she has a sensation about food, she's just going to turn her brain on and it's going to it's going to help it. And this is an experimental experiment, and there was news media there, and there was so many things going. I didn't even listen to the. I didn't even look at the whole program because I turned it off, and I said to myself, I've got to write about this. I've got to think about this. Could you imagine that I have this program, and then there's this woman who is so obese and she doesn't even know what's missing in her life. And, and, and this is the lengths she will go to. Yes, she wants to die. She's an identifying overeater. And look what she's doing. She's world famous. And I said to myself, oh, my God, thank God. Thank you, God. I found, I found a vision for you, and I found OA. Thank you. Thank you, God, for helping me with my program and with this fellowship. Thank you, God. Thank you. so. I have so much gratitude. And with this, I'll pass. Thank you, Leah. And this is Monica, and I'll jump in here. Perhaps there will never be a full answer to these questions. We cannot answer the riddle. You know, um, they couldn't answer it back then. 75 years ago for AA and they still don't have all the answers to the riddle but you know that's not the that's not the important thing here we don't need to try and answer this anymore you know this is a program of action that we have here with our 12 steps and the fact is I am a compulsive overeater it's a disease and I must take action and with that, I'm going to pass, and let's move on to the next paragraph. And Kim, would you read, please? I'm sorry, Monica. I thought we'd be sharing longer. Um, we know that while the alcoholic keeps away from drink, as he may do for months or years, he reacts much like other men. We are equally positive that once he takes any alcohol, whatever in his system, something happens, both in the bodily and mental sense, which makes it virtually impossible for him to stop. The experience of any alcoholic will confirm this. And with that, I pass. Thank you, Kim. Would anyone like to share on this paragraph? Star one to unmute. Yeah, I'd like to share. This is Overeater Steve. Go ahead, Steve. I love the fact that I have this allergy to food. Uh, and because otherwise I wouldn't be doing these steps. And these steps have, in the short time, been so powerful in removing the debris of psychic crap inside of me. And I'm seeing light, sunshine. More love, health, everything from above, down, inside out due to these steps. I just want to express my gratitude and know that I do have this allergy and I'm grateful for it. Thank you. And I'll pass. Thank you, Steve. Would anyone else like to share on what was read? This is Dana. 
Leah. Go ahead, Janice. Janice and then Leah. Thank you, Monica. Thank you. We know that while the alcoholic keeps away from drink, as he may do for months or years, he reacts much like other men. You know, he reacts physically much like other men. You know, once he doesn't take that first drink, once I don't take that first bite, I don't trigger that phenomenon of craving, and I don't have to have that sensation of never being satisfied with the food. But what's going to keep me from picking up that first bite? What's going to keep me from picking up that first drink? Because it's been proven, we are equally positive that when he takes alcohol, whatever, any alcohol, into his system, something happens to him. Something happens to him. Well, you know, hundreds of experiences, thousands of experiences had showed me this exact thing. This exact thing. That if I didn't pick up that first bite, I could react around food like normal people. If I didn't pick up any of the foods that triggered that phenomenon of craving in me, but I had to have something that eased my mind. I had to have something that came between that insanity that was surely bound to take over me. It was there. It was always there. That insanity in my mind that had me convinced that sooner or later when things got bad, a first bite was going to look like the best idea I'd had in a long time. The only idea that I could think of. So I know, I know that the experiences of my fellows, when I came to meetings and I heard other people's stories, when I sit on this line and I hear other people's stories, it proves to me over and over again that I am not alone, that there are other people who also suffer from this phenomenon, from this disease, from this compulsive overeating illness. So I don't need to have it proven to me again. I don't need to overanalyze. I don't need to try to figure it out. Science may one day accomplish this, but it hasn't done so yet, the big book says. It hasn't done so yet. You know, and, and there is a far more beautiful solution for me. There is a far more beautiful, mysterious, and wonderful thing that is God, a spiritual experience that once I find it transforms me and how I view the world, my old attitudes, my old ideas, my personality change. You know, thank you, God, for that. And with that, I'll pass. Thank you, Janice. Leah, please go ahead. Thank you so much. So uh, this point in the big book, again, it's, it's helping people identify in and learn about the grave nature of their illness. It says we know, again, we know who, who penned this book book uh alcoholics they were uh you know low bottom drunks who had recovered they had ex- they have experienced these they pen these pages we know that while the alcoholic keeps away from drink as he may do for months or years he reacts much like other men we are equally positive that once he takes any alcohol whatever into his system something happens both in the bodily and mental sense which makes it virtually impossible for him to stop. The big book is cornering us. It's leading up to uh, introducing us to the greater aspect of the disease, which is going to be the obsession of the mind. But right now it's uh, talking about the allergy of the body 
the allergy of the body is a real problem. It's a bad problem. We have a problem much worse than that, and that's our mental problem. But this allergy of the body, the statement here, we are equally positive that once he takes any alcohol, whatever, into a system, something happens both in the bodily and mental sense. I mean, this is alluding to the allergy of the body. Dr. William Silkworth, who worked with thousands of alcoholics, uh, you know, found that when an alcoholic took even a little bit of alcohol into his system, the switch turned on inside his body, and there was only one thing the alcoholic wanted to do, and that was to drink more alcohol. And, that, of course, the alcoholic would continue to drink and drink, and, of course, he would get drunk, and he was powerless over that once he once he took that first drink. The, the switch would turn on, and he had no choice but to continue to drink. And, of course, you and I are compulsive overeaters. And when I reviewed my eating history, I could identify certain substances, a lot of substances for me, (laughs) uh, that had that same effect on me. It wasn't just about a taste sensation. There were certain substances that when I ingested them, even a little bit, even a little bit, any alcohol, whatever into a system, any bit of this particular uh, substance When I ate that, my body got triggered and I would eat more and more and more of that food. It could not be satisfied. I'm just going to go to the doctor's opinion, which reinforces this point. It says, all these have one symptom in common. They cannot start drinking without developing the phenomenon of craving. This phenomenon, as we have suggested, may be the manifestation of an allergy which differentiates these people. Right? This makes us different than other people. We are bodily and mentally different from other people and sets them apart as a distinct entity. It has never been by any treatment with which we are familiar permanently eradicated, meaning this is how I'm wired, and I can fight it, and I can resist it, and I can wish it wasn't true, but it is my truth. That is the way my body responds to certain substances. That's my truth. It says the only relief we have to suggest is entire abstinence. That means that once I identify the substances that I am allergic to, I cannot put even one bite of those substances into my mouth, period. Period. And I had to accept that. Now, that is a bad problem. That sounds like a huge ordeal, doesn't it? But it's not the greater aspect of my disease because, like we said before, tons of people are are allergic, allergic to strawberries, allergic to fish, allergic to milk. They just don't eat those items. The real greater aspect of the disease is going to come from the mind, which instructs the body to pick up that first bite. So... Uh, as of right now, the big book is just reminding us, allergy of the body, do you have it, yes or no? And with that, I pass. Thank you. Thank you, Leah. Thank you to everyone who has shared. We will now close with the reading from the big book on page 164, followed by the serenity prayer. And Sharon, can you read a vision for you, please? Star one, Sharon. I'm here. I sure can. I just need to get to that page and cut off my speaker. Okay. This is Sharon, Recovered Compulsive Overeater. Our book is meant to be suggestive only. 
we realize we know only a little. God will constantly disclose more to you and to us. Ask him in your morning meditation what you can do each day for the man who is still sick. The answers will come if your own house is in order. But obviously you cannot transmit something you haven't got. See to it that your relationship with him is right and great events will come to pass for you and countless others. This is the great fact for us. Abandon yourself to God as you understand God. Admit your faults to him and to your fellows. Clear away the wreckage of your past. Give freely of what you find and join us. We shall be with you in the fellowship of the Spirit, and you will surely meet some of us as you trudge the road of happy destiny. May God bless you and keep you until then.